When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. My name is Jay from Canada, and you're listening to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, if you are only allowed to listen to music from one decade for the rest of your life, which one would you choose? Okay, here comes the show. And remember, question everything. Hello everybody and welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer and occasional actor Dane Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The Hizza. Hello! And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked and we are talking everything from... We're talking everything from Jay, uh, from Canada's question, I'm not going to do a Canadian accent, uh, if you're only allowed to listen to music from one decade for the rest of your life, which decade would you choose, Dane I can tell you my answer very quickly. Yeah. It's the 90s. Mm. And it's because as I've grown older, that era has become more nostalgic to me. Obviously, it's the era I kind of grew up in musically. Whereas if you'd asked me a few years back, I would probably said like the 60s because I thought it was the coolest era. Yeah. Lots of great music was made in it. I think as you get older, you start to feel nostalgic for that time. That's how it works for me anyway, mate. I feel like it's a very similar answer to me. I think I'd have gone for 90s R&B. I feel Mm. like the babyface basically was the soundtrack of my life uh, when I was young and as a teenager um, but then or I would have probably said like maybe Motown see that's what I mean 60s yeah, yeah, 60s. 60s or 90s really but then me. I feel like I romanticised that a lot more because there would have probably been some duds in that time as well that I'm not aware of Yeah. and also they used to interchange a, song, a lot of songs as well with songs by the same mm. people so and I also I wasn't born then so yeah, yeah. I'm probably going I'll leave that decade for somebody else Yeah. and I'd but say it was a I mean, good good question Jay Great question. So, yeah, it was a good question from Jay. And suffice to say, on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dave? Absolutely. No question is too big, too small, highbrow, lowbrow, or too melodic or nostalgic. And if you do like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify and you'll never miss an episode. Or you can subscribe to us on Acast, the world's biggest podcast network, where you can hear all of our very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is a TV host, producer and journalist. She has worked with STV, Channel 5 and ITN and is currently based between the UK and North America where she is the host of Biologic, which is on the Oprah Winfrey Network. And now she is raising awareness on stalking as she has recently been opened up by being stalked by her neighbour. Please. Oh, and she also has her own podcast, which she has created and produced about murder most foul, which is a lot more light and entertaining than I'm making it sound, despite the topicality of said podcast. Anyway, we would like to welcome to the show Ms. Ala Shaquer. Hi, thank you. Clearly, I need to update my website. (laughs) (laughs) I hosted Biologic years ago, but anyway, we could stick with that. No, we we want to include all of it. We include all of it, yeah. All of your accolades. But it sounded like I was still doing that for Oprah. That was, uh, I'm trying to think what year that was, 2012 or 2013. Anyway, but yeah, murder is my main thing. The storyteller, murder was foul. The storyteller, violent delights. Just get my plug in there right at the start. You can get it at at the start, in the middle and at the end. Can we just just promote your uh, name? Uh, as well if that's okay because yeah. there's a name that I've 
I mean, cool name, dude. Thanks. Like, I get. I I have some funny stories about it, the mispronunciations, but also the very queer. Traqueer. Traqueer. Make sure it's not. All the English seem to put queer on. Not that I have anything against anyone of hey, any choice of sexuality. Like there might be some but, issues, uh, but okay, yep. No, 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 not no, at all. It's Traqueer. Um, yeah, and apparently it dates back to Mary, Queen of Scots, and she took the Traqueers over from the court in France. Right. And then gifted them a house, which is the oldest inhabited stately home in Scotland. It's called Queer House. And when Bonnie Prince Charlie went off to war, they closed the main gates and said, we will not open them again until mm. another Stuart is on the throne. So they're still shut. Wow. And then Isla is uh, a river near where my father grew up. Um, but I have been called everything, you know, Isla Tractor, Isla Tri Square, everything you can imagine, and particularly living in the States. I just gave up and it was just, I was Isla for quite a long time. Right. Right. It, yeah. It's good night. Really, it, with that big Latin population, they didn't know the difference between Isla and Isla in the state. Well, no, because it is Isla. For them, it's Ireland. That's how they would say it. Yeah. So, yeah. And also, one in five Americans are functionally illiterate. So, I mean, <laughs> just them getting the I is pretty, pretty big anyway. Oh, they get, never mind my name. They couldn't get in the nationality. They'd go through every nationality <laughs> before yeah. before Scottish. I, it was just quite funny. You are quite an ignorant Australian, I'm sure they said. <laughs> that was definitely there. You mean yeah. Irish? Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm, sure they, I'm sure that came up there. But um, I think, I mean, even though it was a long time ago, I think, you know, uh, it's no small feat to uh, be working alongside Oprah Winfrey. Yes, uh, yes. I mean, I would love to say that I was best friends with her, and I just to meet that. her. Just say that, uh, yeah, that. I am best friends with Oprah. Yeah. Me and her are close. We're we tight. Want, they need to open back you up know, to the estate. Yeah, they so, do because that that is just might as well be the same. Of you know, uh, being a steward. I think being friends with Oprah Winfrey does take a Oprah knows I exist, so that's quite a compliment. That's a big deal. That's, she knows I exist. She, she's my hero. That gives you enough political currency. Like, think of Oprah's other best friends. It's you, Tyler Perry, Prince Harry, and Meghan. So it's still almost royalty anyway. <laughs> Great dinner party. It's a really good dinner party oh, that yeah. will be well catered, yeah. I think. It's probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane, as the format of this show dictates? Absolutely. Mr. Quare, as our exalted guest, we oh. invite you to ask the first question, <laughs> which can be any question you'd like, which we'd like to discuss for about 15 minutes and some change. Then my producer friend Howard Cohen would like to pose a question to you, which we discuss for the same amount of time. And in keeping with tradition, I would like to pose a question to you that we to discuss for about the same amount of time and then we'd love for you to tell our listeners to about your good works past, present and future. How Wonderful. does that sound? Yes, that sounds great and I'm a listener of the show so I'm Oh really? You like your... it, do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I enjoy it. What, very... what, what episode do you like? How are you wasting your questions? Uh, no. <laughs> all, all of them. I just listened to and I'm so sorry I've got amne- I call it an amnesia amnesia of names so it was a woman who is she's um, the internet discussion is it Dash? Um, Shia? No. Oh. Yes. What's her name? Uh, sh- um, yeah. Um, Shay. Yeah. 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 Shay. And I've listened good. to loads of them, but I have amnesia for names. The oh, yeah. amazing Shea, actress Shea, 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 who posed yeah. the question, can men and women be equal? I listened oh, yeah. to the one about, you did at a festival about, does la- love last forever? Oh, yeah. Ed Hedges, that was a great um, one. Yeah. Uh, Quasi Quartang, yes, that was a necessary really one. There we go. Have I proven myself? You really have proven okay. yourself, and I would congratulate you. And I know you. you're called the hisser. Yeah, I, so. I mean, I'm really, yeah, I'm... I've, I've never had this much respect for a guest, so please ask your question. Do you want to know how many times I've heard your transport for London thing as well with your oh, stories? No. Which actually fits in quite nicely with my question. Okay, clever. So my question is, um, what is the kindest thing a stranger has ever done for you? 
and in return, what's the kindest thing you've ever done for a stranger? And as often I like to say, what's inspired this? What has inspired it is I have had, as you mentioned, a challenging time Mm. uh, of late uh, with what I've gone through, having had a stalker and I've had to move around and move around and move around. Anyway, I was moving the other day and I needed to go and ask for help. It wasn't offered, but I mean, I went and asked and this stranger kindly helped lift something extremely heavy. I was doing on my own. And I was, and then he, but he went above and beyond and then later on the next day, him and his wife saw me and came and offered to help again. And I just, mm. I was so touched and it really struck me. I, and I know it's just a little thing, but I think that in the world we live in, it's uh, people are quite shit. Uh, <coughs> when someone does something nice, yeah. it really stands out. And there was another occasion which is very um, specific to my awful thing I went through with the, the stalker, I was actually on a train. The, it's a long story about, a, oh, it's just too tiresome to go through. But the, the result of the court case, the verdict was delayed and delayed. And I ended up being on a train, which was not ideal, on my own. And I knew I was probably going to get the verdict on this train. And I was, you know... Anyway, I sat beside these two ladies, older women, and we exchanged pleasantries about where they were travelling to and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, my phone beeped. And it was a text from my oldest friend saying, guilty, he'd been found guilty. And I just broke. I just, hmm. on this train, burst out crying. And they just reached out and started patting me. Are you okay? And I had to sort of, through this nod, explain, <laughs> I've just gone through hell. Right. I've just, you know, been finished this court case and we've been waiting for the verdict. And, it's, and it was just, that really touched me. So there was two examples recently. Yeah. So th those are, that, that's what inspired me. And I, I'm, I feel that also, you know, Dane and I both go on telly and talk about uh, news stories. It's just depressing, isn't it? I mean, it's oh, just, yeah. it's not Definitely. good for our mental health to, to be so aware of the or, news. Or anybody. Then, or I think, anyone. Yeah, I think it's anybody. And I think yeah. it's uh, the stranger thing in terms of like good deeds. Is uh, I think there's definitely been a decline in it because uh, those aren't normally what lead stories. And I think a lot of the mm. time people who would normally trust in their natural human instinct to give people assistance have seen in many stories in media that their uh, kindness is repaid by being an innocent bystander or being collateral mm. damage. And I think that's definitely created a uh, wow. orbital fear amongst people. Uh, wanting to intervene if they see somebody necessarily being accosted or in someone in distress is that mm. people have now been taught and I think it's been encouraged particularly by uh, the the morose obsession with making what bleeds lead in in like yep. in press has uh, put people off, help, off helping and I think the other thing is that with the I guess what would normally be the uh, give people the impetus to uh, be more empathetic would be from like religion for example and I think as we've mm. seen the decline in the relevance of religion or spirituality mm. and the proliferation of consumerism and uh, individualism. individual individualism yeah. a lot of people are kind of like what's in it for me yeah, yeah. I agree. and I think this is where we've seen like a massive decline in people being strange and really largely out of fear mm. of people being like well if I help someone something might happen to me but then the other side is people being like well what's in it for me really what? Mm. that's why it's an interesting question because for me I've kind of got my answers and I was thinking to myself well, is one of them devalued because it's about work? And I think it would it would be devalued if it was me helping someone. I'd feel, I'd feel like I was being a bit of a... Like, helping a stranger with their career, I don't know. I don't feel that... that I don't feel that's... But weirdly for me, the kind of a stranger helped me with my career quite early on. Mm. Uh, it's a guy that, that Dane met uh, called Bert. 
Not Bert and Ernie. No, no. He was, he was famously. <laughs> oh, um, one day, maybe one day, I'll, if I'm lucky <laughs> yeah. enough, I'll play my celebrity cards right. He was famously. That, he was famously the guy who ran Paul O'Grady's chat show on Channel Four for oh, many years. Okay, yeah, I remember that, Yali, that company. Yeah, yeah, I remember Yali. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that was the guy. Do you remember? Anyway, yeah. anyway, oh. that guy. Anyway, so 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 you know he you know he was a great character for me anyway, and you know I worked for him and and then he you know he. He, he he saw something in me. He kind of thought that because I was making all these little things in my spare time. Yeah. I did my job for him on Paul O'Grady as a researcher, which if, you, if you've been on a TV, you know anything about TV, it's quite a junior job, but it's kind of still okay. But it's I, had, I had ambitions to do more, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, But I remember one night I was editing one of my stupid videos that I was doing at the time. I used to just go around the street with a microphone talking nonsense with people, mm. you know, one of those things. And he came over. And he's like, "What are you? What are you? What are you up to?" He's talking. So he's like, "Like, what are you, what are you doing?" And I was like, uh, "Oh, I'm just doing this thing." He's like, "Right, send it to me when it's done." And I was like, "Okay, I sent him the thing, and I sent him a few more." And he, I remember a couple of days later, he says, "Oh, I thought that was good. Actually, that was pretty good." He's like, "Oh, good." He's like, "Yeah." And he, and he said, well, "Why don't you go in the writers' room tomorrow?" Uh, and I went in the writers' room. I did quite a reasonable mm. job. And I thought it was just you know nice. You know, it's like he took interest. You know, that was enough. And then randomly i get approached how many weeks later from uh, a company owned by warner brothers and they offer me a pilot uh for a project which would if i was to chart the trajectory of my career as a producer Mm. in television it was that was the moment that things switched because i then had to make this pilot for about 8p but i didn't give a fuck because someone (laughs) gave me a pilot and I got to show people what I wanted to do. Yeah. And because of that, I had to go to a meeting, I think with ITV or someone, and pitch the idea. They didn't buy it, but I had to go and do the pitch. And that was the moment I knew what I was supposed to do with the rest of my job, really, the rest of my life. Like, I knew I was the guy to try and get you to buy the thing. And that whole development life that I'm known for now, it's kind of all because of that guy, Bert. I, he, I know that he told those people... To give me the pilot. I think that's wonderful. I yeah. think that's a great story. It's a really good story. And, and something that, you know, had a massive impact. Yeah, like, and that's why I look at work, because I think about the things that I might have done as a good thing to someone in yeah. work, and I couldn't tell you, at least from their perspective, if I've had a significant impact. I would be, like, yeah. overestimating my impact. But I feel like that's the thing with, when you're, I guess, you're acting never altruistically for somebody else, is that yeah. you're not really considering... It shouldn't be an action to res- to yeah. be reciprocated by gratitude anyway. Of course. So that's part of it is that it's yeah. not really about you speculating how that they're going to respond to that help. It's more about your intentions. But I think I think outcome, I think I there is, in the age we're living through, there is a natural affiliation with doing good to help someone else's career. That is, um, I, I I I wouldn't talk about it here because I know it could look like I'm trying to make myself look good. But that's the thing is, but that, yeah. again... That, but, and that's just telly, that's just media, that's just the way yeah, we live Yeah, but I think that's all tainted by, like I said, we in a very individualistic society yeah. where people have almost lost a uh, collective trust that anybody can act purely altruistically. I think you're right. Yeah. I just think, uh, and I'll, when we finish recording, I'll tell you both the thing that I would have said. <laughs> I'm not going to say it because I don't want to make 
those people involved in that situation if they heard yeah, yeah. me talking about it in any way uncomfortable. Sounds like a sex tape to me, Howard. I don't know, I don't know what's that. You can kind of dance around it the whole time. I'm going to make you a star. Let me take some pictures. I mean, do you want to hear... <laughs> make you look pretty. <laughs> do you want to hear the thing I was actually going to go these are, with? These are glamour shots. Go on, Dane. Tell us, tell us something you, could you, someone did for you. Because um, then I'll come back to my, my I, I feel, thing that some, I did for someone. I think there's, there's probably been a lot of good things that people have done. Um, I, and I think I probably have a good reference of them because I'm much more uh, I'm much more cognizant of people who have, I believe have slighted me. That's, that <laughs> list is very long. That goes that that goes all the way back to the 90s. And yeah. uh, one day I'll have my revenge. But that's not the question. <laughs> the question is the nice things that people have done for me. And I think there are very small things. I, I feel, like I said with most people, I have, probably have low expectations of people. So any act of kindness is very much a big deal to me. Um, Isn't that one, what you see? Happiness mm, is something about lowering reality it. Reality minus your, expectation. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, that's so definitely in terms of depending on the kindness of strangers, that's been a, a, a maxim of mine. Uh, what stands out to me would be, um, I remember going for a job interview uh-huh. and I had a bottle of Lucasade with me on the way because I needed pep because... Like all the other jobs I did before, I was not that interested, but I had to appear as such. But uh, somehow, this Luke's Aid boy had been shaken up somewhat, so it spilled when I opened it. And I was like, well, I'm going to be uh, being accompanied by a few bees and flies because I'm covered in mm. Lucas Aid juice. And, uh, and somebody gave me a tissue to wipe myself off. And uh, it doesn't seem like a big thing, but... No, uh, no it is. Yeah. It. It's, it's, it's very, it's very, it was very helpful. And, uh, you know... They did it immediately without prompt, and I thought yeah. that was uh, very helpful. Um, also, I lo- there was a period, I think it was like 2018, where I was touring, and um, my tour schedule, which I was kind of basically doing by myself, I hadn't even been given a tour manager or anything, it was very grueling and tiresome, so there was a lot of like four o'clock starts, because I was like taking a Eurostar to Belgium, and I was flying out to Estonia, or going, and... Because of my fatigue, I'd left behind. I lost a laptop that year, mm. two Amazon Fires or Kindles, and a pair of headphones. Uh, I'm also very absent-minded, and uh, somebody found some of my items mm-hmm. and uh, paid the postage to return them. Wow! wow. And uh, I thought that was quite nice because when I flew Virgin, they stole my headphones and acted like they were never there. <laughs> Virgin Airways, you know Virgin, the one that yes. Richard Branson owns. Those guys stole my stuff. Even though went back on the train and they stole my headphones. So the fact that somebody was happy to return said property. uh, And which country were they in? Um, In the UK. Okay. Yeah, and someone returned my. um, But I think I'd left it up. This time I think I left it up north. So I think I'd gone Ah. to like Greater Manchester and somebody had found it. And See, the northerners are nicer, you know. Yeah. Oh, the they further are north nicer. you go, it's and, I, and I think that's why I'm so re- I'm so like I'm, I'm with Glasgow. No, I'm not opposed to. It. Oh, no offense, Glasgow. Nah, Glaswegians, they're nice too. Yes, yeah. it's just when they don't like something, they also tell you. Yeah, that's yeah, the difference. Yeah. I'm from Aberdeenshire, and if you lost something there, they'd probably knit to you a special parcel to post it back in. <laughs> that is true. The people in Aberdeen are also very nice um, as well. I am, um, but yeah, I think the main things that people have done that have been nice have, yeah, just been. Sport, those sport acts of altruism where I've mm. kind of despaired that I've lost something and mm. someone else has found it and gone to the uh, mm. effort of returning it to me, which, uh, you know, I have friends that haven't done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, just thinking about the, the, the thing I've done for someone, I was thinking, you know, this is bleak. This, there's no lulls coming. If you say, okay. 
Giving your wife some babies, Howard. No, no, no. <laughs> Creating life. Yeah. yeah no, Donating no. my seed to my wife. <laughs> Continuing your DNA for the I'm betterment really, of I'm the world. And enriching the, the Cohen bloodline with two sons <laughs> as heirs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really reticent to talk about this because it isn't, this is not funny. Okay. Um, Howard, it's right, fu- it's get fine. the serious face on. Yeah, no. It's all, it, where's where's the tissues? No, I'm it's not. It's not I don't think it's I'm that. A I, I don't know if it's that level. Uh, I'm just going to say it because I I, okay. I, I I look back on it and I think about it often. I was working at home. Uh, my wife was upstairs, and uh, the bang at our front door, and it's our neighbour. And uh, I'm just not going to name any names, but there's a neighbour at my door. Uh, old older lady in tears uh, saying the hus- husband's collapsed mm. and uh, my wife comes downstairs and we go next door my son's at nursery and uh, her husband who I've lived near f- for a period of time now mm. is in the chair that he usually is in um, and he's dead I can we and my wife can tell that he's dead but obviously his wife is in an unbelievable state of shock because she mm. just literally he called her to say he wasn't feeling well. She mm. came home and has found him in this state. Mm. And she's got 999 on the phone. And I'd say for that next like half an hour of my life, what you know, me and my wife mm. trying to help. I mean, we tried to help you know, resuscitate him, but yeah, he was he dead. Was he was dead. And it was like mm. looking after that person. I mean, I could, to suggest there is nothing in it. <laughs> for me and Tara uh, is an understatement you know but you just like even the fucking dog just trying to handle this dog for us I remember, I remember taking the dog for a walk because the dog was just going nuts because obviously mm. I guess the dog could sense something could happen oh or, they can definitely sense yeah 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 and obviously he loved the owner you know yeah. he's just died uh, I would say yeah in recent memory that is the standout experience where yeah. I felt like I've done a yeah. I, I suppose she the person is, 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 isn't someone I consider I'm close to not a complete stranger yeah. but someone pretty random but I disagree with your point there about you got nothing out of it I think to be and I have a lot of experience with that horrific role grief with mm. my work not necessarily the second after it happens but very soon after but I think you being able to step in and and be strong and, and yeah. be the practical, pragmatic people in that situation when you would have gone home that night and gone, gosh, that was that was tough. Yeah. And thank goodness that you were there for her. Thank goodness you went yeah. with her because some people may not have. So I think that yeah. that should warm your heart, that you did a good deed. Yeah, I think you're right. I think about it a lot because, you know, you live on the same mm. street, right? Yeah. So you're like, walk past the scene of the crime. Mm-hmm. Every day. crime. Well, because because it it, it was you know de- de- to see a death like the, yeah, the death scene when you tough. see death like yeah. you know you might go to a hospital and do it and therefore every time you go back to that hospital you'll yeah. experience that scene. It's like fuck me, that is as real yeah. as it gets, and uh, yeah. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But um, as I say, not a lol fest that that story, no. but but a true account of what it's I think humanity is. Yeah. So stepping in, and I think that's what we some people can't do that, do. right? Some people are out yeah. the door. Or in those a lot a lot of people are not, don't want to even face their own mortality yeah. and yeah, can't yeah. be around that kind of thing. And especially where like at a point of like particular grief, some people mm. might be like, Is there somebody else I can call? So to actually be present for somebody, yeah. especially when they're dealing with mortality, I think yeah, it's it's a great thing because like everybody no one really wants to confront death a lot of the time. I mean, most people can't even confront poverty. 
Like mm. the most offensive thing you can say on the London, on London transport is, "Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm homeless." Everyone's like, "Oh my god, what the fuck? Ugh, yeah, this yeah, doesn't yeah. sound like capitalism that I like." <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a good thing, Howard. It's um, mm. and uh, it sounds very similar to me in terms of how your altruism makes you feel very awkward. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a list of mm. things that I guess I've done that I think are nice for people, but uh, I sometimes feel awkward doing them. And I guess it's all those basically down to having a London upbringing is that I've tried to mm. carry myself in a way where I'm like, just leave me alone. I'm just another Londoner going about my business and fuck the rest of you. I don't want any problems. You leave me alone, I leave you alone. <laughs> and that's just the uh, culture it creates. But then there's just been so many times where I've wondered if am I giving out a different energy where people have just basically completely ignored this mm. and just literally I've had situations where like I've had to help an old lady across the street it's not a bad thing, but it's, I'm just like, what is it about me that made this old lady come up to me and be like, can you help me across the street? Is that the energy I give off? Uh, but she does like smile. I was definitely not smiling. <laughs> I definitely wasn't smiling. But she was just like, can you help me across the street? And I won't say no to that, of course. But I just find it strange. I'm like, I'm really trying, I really tried to give off wallflower and uh, almost not there. And and then or, or sometimes I also put myself in these situations like, I, uh, the Rotunda at Kingston upon Thames is like this big centre and I saw two people fighting outside of it and I had to break up a fight between these two women hmm. and uh, obviously most people are like you shouldn't get involved in a fight because something can happen to you Yeah, yeah, yeah. because then I went and did it again in Bromley because a kid was fighting against a, an older guy and I think the guy was like a Pacific Islander and they'd misinterpreted something he'd said as like being confrontational so there wasn't even need for a fight to happen in the first place hmm. and again it's like you know I mean, my partner time being like, what are you doing? Like, don't get involved. And I'm like, yeah, I can't really not get involved because mm. there's two people that don't, well, might get hurt. And this guy's here with his kid. And, you know, yeah. and I think there's normally been like a uh, theological impetus for this kind of thing mm-hmm. where I've been like, when your heart is weighed against a feather, uh, what's going to be heavier? And yeah. uh, did you help people? You can. Whereas now, I guess it's much more of a, uh, it's more of a psychological and biological not compulsion but I think an obligation where as a so- part of a social species you have to kind of be reciprocal in your behaviour or at least uh, uh, exemplary in your behaviour in that if you uh, you cannot expect a pattern of behaviour or you cannot expect altruism that you don't show yourself in your everyday mm. so I don't really yeah so I guess there's not anything I would say has any superior any superiority or nothing in terms mm. of mm. acts of kindness yeah. for strangers I just yeah. feel like I do what I'm supposed to do when the time comes to do it uh, yeah. where strangers but, are concerned. But what what an unbelievable question. That what, is, I think we should turn the question to you before we continue, though. What, what, what's a night... Is, is, is helping you move being the nice thing a stranger has done? We'll be back after this. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. 
That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to the show. No, I mean, there's lots of things throughout my life and there's lots of, I mean, there's lots of huge acts of kindness from people that I love and that aren't yeah. strangers. Um, and that, you know, I couldn't have got through the last, um, you know, year or two without, you know, some real hardcore, amazing support from my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it's not, it's not, it's not a great thing to be a friend of someone who's being stalked. That's for no. sure. Because it's just, it's, it's, it's nonstop. It's the most boring thing and tedious. So, um, I don't know if there's one. I'm trying to think. I, I'm, I, again, it's to do with comfort. I had to do a journey from hell. I was living in Canada when I was working with Oprah. Um, <laughs> my mum had a. Uh, my, my my buddy Oprah, my my best friend. There you go, uh, best friend Oprah. Yeah, call you soon. She's picking you up after the show. Yeah, she is. Yeah, cool. <laughs> we're going for brunch, <laughs> cocktails. <laughs> I don't drink. Anyway, um, I had my. This, this is not a lol story. Phone call from my dad at one in the morning saying your mum's had a stroke or heart attack. Where I'm driving behind an ambulance. You need to get home. And I was living in Vancouver at the time, and it. The only way I could get back was three different flights. And this was before the time of Wi-Fi on planes. Mm. So stepping onto two, I think one of them was a five-hour flight to Chicago and then 10 hours or nine hours to London. And um, it was, I'm trying to remember, I think it was the short one. It was the Chicago one. The part, It was a man who really didn't want to have to deal with me. I could tell because I was, I was crying. And, but he ended up being really sweet. Really sweet. However, on the next flight, and that was a longer one, I managed to sort of be quite numb for a lot of it. And then there'd be times I would just get upset, and he was just like, I'm "Just gonna look the other way." I'm just gonna mm, yeah. but, you know, um, yeah. I guess it's those things that, that stick out. But there's been many, many moments of kindness of strangers, and I would hope there's been many, many moments where I've been kind to strangers. And like you mentioned about the work thing, mm. um, tricky the work one, right? No, See what well, I'm saying? no, no. But I think it's right. And it, in my workplace you know my workplace for a lot of my life has been a newsroom which is a notoriously awful place mm. um watch out for the knives and you know everything else and uh, everyone hated if work experience came along but i was a work experience kid once and that's how i got my foot in the door mm. so i hope that i always gave them time and i would i'd be really honest with them like this is really hard work don't yeah. get on don't start this because you want to be on the telly yeah, do it because yeah. you want to be a journalist because you want to tell stories because you want to work hard it's like comedy when people are like oh, be, oh don't do this because we want to make money and be famous no oh, good, good, no all of <laughs> or if you want your parents to respect you <laughs> yeah all, all of these uh, my my grandfather who's very traditional thought that being a, a woman being a journalist was uh was not appropriate what will they think of next not appropriate. <laughs> and i said well trousers for women yes, what's next well, isla oh look at me disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> just come back from doing a bit of diy as well <laughs> yeah Crikey! My goodness, he must be must be doing gymnastics in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, thing, the thing I'd say though about the work thing, like, the, like so the, if you're talking about the kindness to strangers with work, I just, you know, I do find it. I, I don't know how to say this without probably sounding like a bit of a bit of a prick, but I'm just going to do it. Which is like, I think there's a lot of people who do those things because they want people to see them do it. Yeah, maybe. And yeah. you know that's okay. Yeah, you get people, per- perform- people. Perform- you can- performative altruism is a, yeah. is a big thing. It, yeah, mm. I mean, even a lot of charitable organisations are funded on that idea as well. That it's and yeah. also, it's like a tax. It's also but like tax yeah. exemption. But like, status. I can tell you, you know, I actually I, I've got one good example, which is like, so I uh, 
<laughs> back when I was working for Bert, crazy Bert, uh, we ended up having some people come in to do work experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, I assisted one of the people getting a full-time, long-term job, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, we've had her on the show. Her name's Rabina from Brown Girls Do It Too. Yeah. And she knows this. Should be talk- I think we talked about it on this show, yeah. but it's been a long time since we, since we talked to her. But... Uh, you made her a star. I helped. I helped. <laughs> I definitely helped her career in a really significant way. And she would often, you know, say such nice things to me when I'd always feel really embarrassed when she'd say nice things to me about helping, you know, helping her. Mm. But I do look at it now and think to myself, well, that's really good that I did that. You know, and it wasn't, it wasn't, it was just because, also, I suppose it, part of it is, is it really, it, it's never, it's never truly. Uh, selfless because for me I wanted her to work with me because she was good but I needed her help to do the fucking job that I did you know so in that sense like I I shouldn't be like but that's fine because it's it's, it's you recognising someone's professional potential like Mm. you don't necessarily be like I like you and you're a great person I I suppose in the sense of the things that that we've talked about that are non-work related Mm. they are they can be uh, literally so I've got one more quick one Mm -hmm. uh and to be honest with you, uh, I don't think we're going to make it to any other questions because this is such a good question. It's a great question. Uh, I said exalted, didn't I? But we, I, so. don't, I don't think I've ever yes, truly... <laughs> I, I don't think I've, I, I'm going to try and do a short version of this. But basically, in, in December 2021, after all of the pandemic yeah. chaos... And do you remember what, which, which phase of the pandemic we were in in t- December 2021, anyone? Yeah. Which one? Omicron? Yeah, yeah, everyone's favourite. The one that sounds like could have been Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah, that's, cool. yeah. that's the one that got me. Yeah. <laughs> cool as fuck. Do you know what? Touch, touch wood. There's no wood. I'll touch wood. The chairs are wood. The chairs are wood. Is it? Mm. I've never had it. Ah, oh, loser. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> Superhuman. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Scotland, we eat dirt. We've got really good immune systems. <laughs> <laughs> so we, you know, like everyone, we hadn't been on holiday, right, for however many you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No one had been on holiday, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So then, uh, me well, and my wife were going to Thailand. I mean, some people were partying, as we know. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. so some people, so some people, we were all at home, but yeah. other people were having yeah. cheese and other wine p- parties. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And more, ch- and and sounds like sex parties by the sounds of it. Yeah. <laughs> Making it new children. So, but uh, we finally okay. We're going to go to Thailand. You yeah. know, Phuket, which is great, and you know, uh, so it's me, my wife, and our uh, child Dylan, who was eighteen months old. Yeah long flight right and it's a lot of prep my wife had to do all of the I was very busy at work all of the paperwork I don't yeah. know if you went travelling during the pandemic the paperwork was a fucking nightmare yeah yeah anyway we get to the airport and um, <laughs> this is ridiculous because I hope I hope somehow this guy finds out about this me talking about this right but we, we go into the queue and all, all the paperwork's there my wife's got all the binders you know she's got laying it all out and she unbelievably you have to do these forms to get into thailand right mm. and she's got my fucking middle name wrong she's put my middle name as jeffrey which is my son's middle name and instead of putting my real middle name and they say you can't go like i'm standing there with yeah, yeah. bags child with pepper pig in front of him and three weeks of a holiday waiting to happen and they're telling me we can't go and it, it, you know you, my wife's been on the show because she's an entrepreneur Dane's met her a number of times this is a beautifully lovely woman yeah bursting into clearly, tears clearly incredible juggling all that stuff and preparing <laughs> yeah. and even daring to go on holiday with a child at that age 
I've never seen her. Do you have her, an appalling never... middle name? Was she trying to Frederick, save your embarrassment? Frederick, Frederick, not even, not even that. that. Was. She was like, <laughs> Frederick, yeah. Yeah. Hercules, oh no, <laughs> Jeffrey's better. Not even. She was like the deed poles. Not even that. I mean, honestly, you know, when we moved away from the counter after they said, well, you can't go. Yeah. I've never seen her break like that, man. She just broke down oh, in tears, gutted, like just break. And I was like, obviously she's fucked up. I can't, you can, um, this is not a, I'm going to criticise you for your moment of fucking I you did not, up. I will hit you Yeah, with I didn't this say a word. Stand. I just stood there and hugged her. Good. And then. You're good, right? Howard, because I would have saved that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be good one day. <laughs> but this is the bit. This is the bit, yeah. right? So I'm hugging it. And then there's a tap of it. Like, someone says, excuse me. Because uh, mm-hmm. they, they're basically saying, if you want to get another tie pass, it's going to be five to seven days. Mm. So everything's fucked, right? Mm. So she's all upset. This guy just goes, excuse me, uh, did you um, did you not get your tie pass? And he's like, no, we messed them up. And he's like, oh, right, because um, I just got mine. And we're like, what? And he's like, yeah, you know, I just did it on my phone. And um, it came straight through. And we were like, Amazing. everyone's wearing masks, by the way, in this scenario. Yeah. And we're like, oh, and we're like, really? Really? And so, like, laptops come out, like, phones go into what, you know, you hook it up. And within about 15, 20 minutes, we've got our new tie passes, mm. which we thought, and we get to go on the plane. It, it still went really fucking wrong after that, but we did end up getting to Thailand. Uh, but that yeah. guy, who, who could have just minded his own business, not tried to help these, you know, my wife literally mm. just sobbing in this airport... He, whoever that guy is, whoever you are, mate, you fucking that that yeah. that is the kindest I think anyone ever potentially was to me because it made a massive difference and I really saved your marriage as well. It, it it could have. It's a now a nice joke, and I've kept the form that says Howard Jeffrey uh, Cohen. You need to just change your name to that now. Yeah, maybe it would be easier. But I don't blame her at all. I don't know. How I'd, I'd, I'd keep. I'd hold on. I'd on to it. You got you got two things that you're going to need to use one day <laughs> as leverage. Yeah, for your, the inevitable fuck ups you will make over the course of your marriage. Those are two. Those are two. Those are two shields. Yeah. you need. To use when required. <laughs> I, have a, I have a very... I'll try and do it quickly. Funny story about Phuket. Mm. Went there uh, back in the days of travel agents and oh, it was yeah. a monsoon. They hadn't told us. It was horrendous. Oh it goodness. ruined... You know, what what just, time of year? It, it, oh, whenever the monsoon season oh, is. Okay, was it August? The, but, the travel agent was like, anything else we should know? Ruined the whole day. <laughs> so it was kind of a, a bad memory of, you know... It, it was just ruined. So... Years later, my ex-husband and I were getting an alarm in our house and you had to have like code words for everything's good or no, there's a burglar who's a knife against my throat. And you had to sort of think something. So we came up with countries or holidays. So Phuket was our bad one. <laughs> anyway, a guy from the security company phones me up and says, uh, I've got your words and this is a disgrace and you need to pay. I said, what? I said, I think we picked holiday destinations. Like, this is not appropriate. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Said, I can't say it in front of a lady. And I'm like, "It's is it not a holiday Play and he went, it, 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 it's fuck it. And I was just, I was laughing, going, no, it's Phuket and it's an island and it's in Thailand. And it was very funny. Anyway, I'm, I'm not going there again. I've been to Thailand about five times, but not Phuket. It's nice. Yeah. I mean, I'm not inviting you, but it's nice. It's I'm, right. going, I'm going in February. I don't, wa- I don't want to go. Your wife's never going to get my name right with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Six middle names. I think, I think it is. An amazing question. We've discussed it for pretty much the entirety of this episode, and, and, and so that's a congratulations to you. You've stopped us asking our questions. 
Uh, That's but, a shame because yeah, it would have yeah, been. A, it was, what was it going to be? Uh, Probing deep. I don't know. Have you ever been to Phuket? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's a good. I, I, I think it's a very good question. I think, uh, as extensively, it's it's a question that we all need to be asking ourselves, because, like I said, like with the decline of things like well, religion and mm. uh, cohesion via bipartisan politics, there's very few threads holding humanity together yeah. and encouraging them to do stuff like being nice to strangers and like. In the wake of, uh, you know, seeing some domestic terrorism for towards asylum seekers mm. and uh, ongoing lack of democratic elections in this country and this unrest all around, I think, you know, it's yeah. the more people can be encouraged to do stuff for other people right now. It might be the only uh, thing we have left to define our humanity by, especially because our mm. previous, uh, I guess, o- preoccupations, whether it's like our work. That's disappearing uh, with the pandemic and the mm. rise of automation. And we are now sharing our spaces like online and stuff with an artificial intelligence. So if we have to lead by example, we can't teach this mm. new life form how care and empathy works. Going off the example we set, we're going to be fucked. Oh, AI reading yeah. our the online activity and if they think doesn't we don't show any of our humanity. Yeah, and, and, that'll be the, and the thing is, if we uh, continue to encourage a culture of individualism, when we do become obsolete, which we will one day, they'll have perfect justification because they'll be like, well, you didn't care about each other, so why the fuck should we care? Yeah, any any movie that's been where the aliens are wanting to get rid of us because we're destroying the planet, I'm like, yeah. Well, <laughs> we're there. We are, we're we there. still we're, don't. We're, we're being ruled, we're by, we're being ruled by supervillains. Yeah. So at this particular point, like, there's... Yeah. Uh, so I definitely think... And I also feel like human beings, if we can, you know, continue to have a reciprocal relationship with each other that isn't prompted from fear of damnation yeah. or uh, what we perceive to be cultural obligation or like say performative altruism to receive some kind of capital or exoteric reward the better because uh, yeah. you know because with the question at first I was thinking about obviously I know what the things strangers have done but I feel yeah. like the nicest thing that was done for me by anybody as with family and friends was like my mother giving birth to me mm, that's pretty cool that's the nicest thing because especially because the nature of my mother's birth like overall to, due to severe hemorrhaging she lost eight pints of blood oh my goodness uh, so I didn't see her for three days because mm. she was in ICU I was on an incubator oh wow and uh, given that uh, black women are four times more likely to die during maternity yeah. than any other woman there was a, on the side against her making it through it there was loads like mm. on paper she may not have had to pull through yeah and to be fair I could have understood I could have mm. also understood if she had any kind of resentment towards me because mm. of the suffering her body went through just to mm. bring me into the world. Yeah. I've never had that. I've never been made to feel guilty for uh, yeah. what happened to my mother during my birth. Uh, she's never she's never spoken about it with lament towards me. Mm. And uh, Did you have separation anxiety out of interest? I think I have more of a thing where I spent so much time by myself, I kind of got a feel for, yeah, I'll just be by myself. Yeah, okay. Even though I have a twin... I think those three days in isolation kind of prepared me for a solitary lifestyle in terms yeah. of like comedy as an art form is a very solitary one. Oh, it's yeah. just me on stage. Long and the, lonely your, path. Your pursuit to gigs is just me. Picking my first representation was just me. So yeah. a lot of stuff I tend to do, I tend to do by myself. And I think I developed that very early on, happy of mm. being used to my own company. And really mm. for a large part of my life as a kid, like my mother, well, my parents were my mum, the only person I really had, had time mm. for. But yeah, I think that's the nicest thing because, you know, a lot of people could have just, for the, for, for the sake of this exhaustion and just yeah. the toll being taken on their body, she could have thrown in a towel at any time yeah. and uh, she chose uh, to fight and I'm very grateful for that. 
Mm. Well, we all are. We all yeah. are grateful to her. Otherwise, yeah. this show would, yeah, well, we well, wouldn't, wouldn't be here. We wouldn't exist. Yeah. Wouldn't we, exist. Wouldn't well, here, I think. No. I think that we, you know, what, yeah, your mum's obviously an incredible woman, and to have twins as well. I've got lots of twins in my family. I think it's all about really us all trying to be kind. I think that we um, there's a great book, Life's Operating Manual, manual um, by Tom Shadyac, and it's it's about our own personal revolution. And if we just concentrate on the things that we can change within our life. Other people will just witness it, and you know, for example, mm. the 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 um, person that you're kind to in a workplace, then they might be inspired to do the same to another person, mm. and it, and the ripple effect is what all we can do. It might not be enough to no, combat the supervillains. No, it is enough because mm. super, um, supervillains' only power comes from people that act on their behalf. Yeah, like the singularity part is not the issue. It's people who give over accountability and feel because of yeah. fear, whatever reason, they act out on behalf at the whim of these people. That's the problem. But yeah. there's more of us than there are of them. So I think the kindness and the, the mother example I use is because, like, if all human beings follow this kind of path back to their origin, yeah. then you know you'd see the erasure of you know exploitation and misogyny and sexism because yeah. if somebody risked their own life to bring you into the world that should give you at least a basis of gratitude to understand that someone was prepared to help you even though yeah. there was no real direct uh, reward for them yeah but yeah. I think just to give you know a bit of advice to listeners or, you know how they might be able to give themselves the opportunity yeah. you know to help people or be helped really just stop looking at your fucking phones yeah. Stop looking at your f- like. I'm not saying don't look at your phone. Like I know you got your work. I know you're trying to look at your map. I know you want to listen to Spotify or <laughs> call your mum. Unless you're listening to this podcast, it's totally. That's fine. what I mean. I'm not saying That's that fine. it hasn't got a value. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. the amount of fucking. Stop looking at social media all the time. It's probably think, a better version. But of I think it. the phone is a symptom. And that's what I mean. The phone is an yeah. example of if we fail to show validation and acknowledge the humanity of others, yeah. then people tend to withdraw and retreat within to their phones. Because that's all the really... Yeah. But I think the phones are almost like a, you know, proxy for life. They're like, you know, you'd go on a train now. And if you sat on a train with three, you know, four in a carriage, you know, the f- mm. four seat bit, and one of those three people looked like they were going to fucking top themselves nowadays you wouldn't even notice yeah because you're too busy watching your downloaded thing from netflix or whatever so I'm yeah i i'd agree with that big time point and i and me. i and i am guilty of the head no, noise, of it. Noise, but everyone's that, been like that because yeah. it's, at the same time like you know taking into it in taking humanity in at a certain pace particularly the pace when you're traveling yeah. and stuff that can be overwhelming for a lot of people and also yeah phones are a great way of staving off loneliness that's the point is that yeah. people, if you are lonely people go into their phones people go on social media because they want to see maxims about well-being and self-love because mm. everyone because yeah. of this culture of not out interacting with one another is afraid so we retreat into ourselves and so of course people use a phone because a phone like it's always on human beings unfortunately just due to the nature of us being human you can't call somebody at two in the morning necessarily for them to validate your feelings or humanity yeah. or you can't call your therapist at two in the morning but your phone is always on at two o'clock in the morning so it makes mm. you feel like so it gives you the illusion company. that it's company I shouldn't have and to and that's the thing is know. that because we uh, we are not used to someone who is patronising our existence yeah. all the time a phone becomes a perfect supplement to that yeah. so you know the, 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 I, understand, the I understand people, why people do it the only people I interact with on public transport 
shouldn't be the drunkest ones. Mm. You know what I mean? I'm fucking sick of it. Like, yeah. I don't need to speak to anyone, by the way. But just he was like, that's disgusting that the only people I have any interactions with mm. on public transport now are pissed. But the reason for that is because mm. that's the person who's saying what everyone else is afraid to say. Well, he's he's got, lost his fuck. Yeah, because that don't person's Don't speak badly about your wife, though. <laughs> <laughs> she, was, she needed to let off after making that <laughs> yeah, mistake yeah, with your name. True, you but, know. Yeah, but you just, have to interact with her because you're going home with her. Yeah, yeah, you, you have know, to, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, she probably puts her headphones well, you know, in, to be of, honest. But a lot of interactions, Howard, are not can be non-verbal. And, yeah. you know, sometimes just, uh, yeah. you know, giving somebody a hug or placing yeah. your hand on their shoulder with with consent yeah. can be uh, equally yeah. as effective. You know, people just... I'm kind and, to and, a bloke uh, who walks around uh, my neighbourhood with his dog most days. I mean, he just seems a bit lonely. And every time I see him, I'm just like, you're right, mate. And you might be the only person that says hi to him that that's day. Why, yeah, and that's you why. just never know. And yeah. that's the thing, you know, you know, they obviously was it you never know what anyone else is going through and always try and Make be kind in that. But also we shouldn't forget that no good deed goes unpunished. That's As true. we've discussed yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's also true. you're like, that's Why? <laughs> what that's, what that's should true. I do in a previous life? But then but then it, I mean, <laughs> you know, you could look at the uh, pathology for people that engage in shit like stalking and it could definitely stem from the idea that either it's a well, it's entitlement, but I think that entitlement also stems from the fact that this is somebody who is used to having their uh, having their advances spurned. And rather than learning to process that and mm. uh, work out how to be more affable to people, people tend to force themselves on other people. And, the, and I think all these problems stem from the same thing, is that it's a yeah. failure of people to use empathy, even understanding how what you perceive to be a benevolent yeah. presence, how that, uh, that affects somebody. Particularly, like, I've spoken to my friends about, like, when they speak to a woman like to you you think you're being friendly to her you're being a stranger and even though you might feel like you're being well-intentioned you have to have the empathy to understand what it's like for a woman's journey from subway station to subway station it's mm. a very different journey for you mm. and sometimes the most altruistic thing you can do is like give that person peace and let them feel safe yeah, and yeah, yeah. they can probably come to you but like yeah. me and howard have mused about this many times and i'm still of the position that like if we observed uh, more of the tenets that were in your question, I'd, you'd see that like the sale of antidepressants and the requirement for psychiatric help mm-hmm. and therapy would probably re- re- reduce significantly once people knew they would have a paradigm, whether it was with family or friends or colleagues, mm. where mm-hmm. they could have the catharsis to discuss their angst and their fears or yeah. whatever existential issues they have and have those validated and mm. reciprocated by their peers. It's funny, we've covered the two other questions I had suggested. One was, if you had the chance to you know go back in time and stop the internet being invented would you do that which we sort of touched on and the other one was should we live in community should we be living in sort of you know little tribes because i think that's how yeah commies because i think that's what humanity we lack the physical connection with people Mm. we lack the interaction and so it's not always good but you're forced to live with other people because we've become so separated even if you are married Mm. and have kids you're still very separated you live in your own and then it's all about well we're just looking after ourselves and then you miss those Mm. moments to learn and grow and connect and and that's because there's because we've been taught particularly of the last uh, decade or so where's the money in that yeah (laughs) and 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 what's happened then is that in in the uh, in that vacuum it's been left for people who still require the need for community and guidance which is how easily people can now be radicalized online Mm. and people can join these extreme groups of extreme ideology because we're so deprived of it that even in its most distorted form, mm-hmm. it makes people feel like they are validated. Mm-hmm. Well, there are other people in these chat rooms and still liking stuff. For all these people that feel despondent and feel disillusioned by truths that they've now grown up to find out are lies and now are dealing with this isolation and loneliness. Mm-hmm. Even that misery loves company. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's the problem is that now the, the, uh, the lack of kindness to strangers yeah. is leaving people open to 
the uh, malevolence of strangers mm-hmm. by you know people being able to prey on said loneliness and vulnerability that comes yeah. from people that are feeling that they're alone yeah. and, I, that, and I, they're I, using points of hatred in order to galvanize people which is uh yeah, a real issue. Our greatest challenge is apathy, and what our, my goal with my work, as weird as it is, being yes. dark, is uh, trying to create empathy through storytelling. So. It's been a really good episode, isn't it, Dane? It's, it's quite a good been show. Three hours really. long. Do we yeah. need to it's, split this up? It's into quite a good show. Episodes. I can see why I listens so. to it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks, Jeffrey. <laughs> Damn! For the, uh, for the first time, Horatio. Got, yeah, Horatio. People have got my name right. So uh, you know. Thank you, Ice Mo, for coming on the podcast. <laughs> you are a very, uh, very exalted guest, as I said. Um, for those who want who want to learn more about your great works and don't want to be a stranger to your works anymore, where can they find out more about what you're doing? Well, you just need to text Oprah and she'll tell mm. you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, um, if you want to... The more recent stuff, I've been on the go for 100 years. I'm actually about 75. Um if you go on any of your podcast, whatever platforms, there's the Storyteller Murdermost File, that's series one, which is 18 episodes. It's a a true story um, and it's the first murder case that I ever covered as a teenager. Hmm. And on the 20th anniversary, I go back and I, with help from the mother of the victim, we go and try and um, answer some questions. It's very complicated, dark, horrific murder. But within that, I, I and I, I say this often about murder, you know, it's the darkest places you sometimes find the brightest of lights of humanity. Mm. And there's a it's moment the best in place to put them to be fair. Yeah. Mm. Well it shines bright in the dark, doesn't it? There you go. Um and then the second series is the storyteller Violent Delights. Um and that's uh that was one I did during the pandemic actually. It was incredible. I managed to record a man who was 97 over the phone. It was challenging technically to do all those things without being able to be face-to-face. That was a 1968 murder and I basically rewrote the narrative to tell the truth. It had been painted and skewed in a very uh, uh, misogynistic way and then I, I you know, told the truth which is this woman was actually a victim and not some sort of scarlet woman murderess. Hmm. Um, and then the third series which I've been Working on intensely this year. It's an unsolved case, and uh, I can't tell you when it's going to be out. But uh, it's uh, blood, sweat, and tears, and traveling to Peru, um, and it's That's what fascinating. It's no, oh, right. uh, shall I reveal looking, what it's looking, called? They're all Shakespeare titles. The third series is going to be called Hell Is Empty. They're all appropriate. Murder Most oh, yeah. Foul nice. is when you hear that case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the most horrific one. The second one's Violent Delights. Mm. If you know the line from Romeo and Juliet, yeah. you know, and also from Westworld. Yeah. Oh, we, yes, of course it is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, and then I've got another one which I I I can't say too much about. Um, I'm the first journalist in UK history that has been given permission to record the audio of a murder trial for a podcast series mm. so it is uh, uncharted ter- territories but it's a case I can't tell you anything about it because it's uh, wow. but I have history with it and I have confronted the person uh, before personally is- hell is empty has been the best tagline that's all I need mm. if I was some kind of <laughs> hell is empty and all the devils are here and wow I- that's a place because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they are here that they just definitely nice, yeah. it, it goes back to the, my very beginning point is people are shit and there's not very really nice ones mm. so let's all try and be a bit nice and kinder and uh, you two have been lovely oh good and I just feel like it's weird to not say the whole kind of you know being from Scotland and you get to say the word murder a lot there's been a murder yeah that... no I don't have a Glasgow accent but, no um, you don't have that well, you don't have the I, same you... I wrote and produced three series on murders when I worked in mm. telly in Scotland um, it was called Unsolved 
and I was in my early 20s when I first started doing that, and despite the fact I do have quite a deep voice, they decided I think I was too blonde, young and female to have the gravitas for that show. So we actually paid <laughs> the wonderful Alec Norton, <laughs> who was Taggart. Yeah, and wow. he, he came and worked. He's lovely, and no criticism of him, but he came on and he did say murder, murder in his wonderful yeah. way many, many times. But oh, uh, good. Yeah, yeah, and I have done lots of other things. You can also see me on. Uh, I, I go on this morning and and talk about new stuff, and sometimes I present on BBC Radio Scotland and mm. various other things. And I've also got a script on the go for the second series, and I've got a book on the go for the first series, which I'm still trying to write in between mm. running around between countries and moving house and running away from stalkers. All of this while living in Belgium. Yeah, Belgium. No, yeah. no, no, no. It's New Zealand. News. We're Belgium, New Zealand. Where I am. Belgium yeah. Street, New Zealand. I'm not in the studio. This no. is this is somewhere else. If We're on a ship. Could, if only you could have joined. This is Radio us. Caroline. Yeah, but <laughs> the ship. International in wars. The are, international wars are safest. So, <laughs> yeah, we won't be sending out a pin location audience. But thank you again, Mr. Quinn. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnapTeast and at the Howard Cohen. You can now support us on Patreon. Just search DBQE Podcast and unlock ad-free content and you can watch the full-length video of the podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at DBQE Podcast and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Insanity Group. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.